When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going, but there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S.com. Hello and welcome to the Betches Set Podcast. It's Amanda here. Instead of recording a normal episode today, we're going to share an episode of a podcast called At Betches. It's another Betches podcast where members of the Betches office discuss pop culture and current events. This week, I had the privilege of sitting in on a conversation with a few of the women of color in the office about how they're feeling about this moment in history, their own experiences navigating their racial identity throughout their lives, and what they want people in their lives to know and to be doing to practice anti-racism and show that you're allies. It was a really, really amazing conversation, and I was so lucky to be a part of it, Uh, so I hope you give it a listen. Betches Media presents... Like beer? I don't know if you like beer, Senator, or not. Um, Mom, I want a vape. (laughs) Nude pictures. Of Trump. Come on now. Don't mess with me. The Betches Sup Podcast. How dare you? Hey guys, and welcome to the At Betches Podcast. I am Kay or Kay York City, whatever you feel like calling me today. Um, I'm the senior social media manager here at Betches, and I also run the Bachelor Instagram, and I'm on the Bachelor podcast. Hey, everyone. My name is Dana. I'm the community manager at Betches, so basically the office manager, resident dog wrangler, all that fun stuff. And I also run the One's Happy Hour account. Hi, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm the editorial director of Betches Sup. I run the Betches Sup Instagram and help produce the podcast and handle the Twitter. And this is both of your first times on at Betches, I think? I did one episode. I did okay, an episode yeah. with, um, with uh, Sean and Dylan, and it was bizarre. I was like, why am I talking to two dudes? for an hour <laughs> you this know. is my my first anything ever so first podcast you're welcome, welcome to the the realm <laughs> what a of... what an arrival dana <laughs> <laughs> what an arrival but yeah amanda i want you to like you said you run the app betches up and first of all if you guys aren't following the betches up you have to be because um we're going to be having a pretty intense conversation right now and amanda has so much information that she's putting out on the betches up instagram account that you guys should definitely be looking into and reading at the moment for sure yeah. Thanks, Kate. Yeah. Betches Sup is a political, a politics vertical and platform that we have here at Betches. Um, but we have a very strong perspective about things that we have never made any uh, mistakes about. Um, so obviously right now we're we're really working that angle. I am a white woman. I think that's important to state. Um, I'm here mainly today to listen to, to you guys. Um, I wanted to provide a little bit of a, the political context. Um, I'm sure everyone listening is, if you've looked outside, probably you know what's going on in this country. It hasn't been, I was like, it hasn't been this quiet in the streets since like the early days of Corona because they had a, a curfew last night. Uh, so there weren't as many people out, but this is the- But it was like night. 8 p.m.? Yeah, yeah. And they didn't let any, that's why I was, because they didn't let any like 
non-essential or law enforcement traffic, like below 96th Street, which is most of Manhattan. Wow. Yeah. Usually it's just the subway that's not going below yeah. or above 96th Street. That's exactly. It actually isn't. Yeah. As I was saying that it actually isn't most of Manhattan. That's actually a misconception because Manhattan is much bigger, but we tend to ignore the top half of it, which oh, yeah. believe it or not, I don't know, might have something to do with race. I live in Harlem. I am in the top yep. half of, um, of Manhattan. And to be honest, I, with all of the, the protests and things that are going on right now, um, first of all, I also want to say, if you don't know already, I am a biracial female. Um, I have a black dad, a white mom, and um, this has affected me in different ways for sure. But speaking about the Harlem area in general, I was fully prepared for it to be way more intense up here. Um, protests? Yes. There have been protests, but I mean, you have to go find them. And it's not, it's not like, it's nothing that you've been seeing, which obviously in the media, all you've been seeing right now are, um, you know, the craziest things, not the normal peaceful protests. But it's really been quite quiet up here. And every, most of the stuff is happening downtown and in Brooklyn. Yeah. I think there's been an effort on behalf of the, the organizers of these protests to keep them away from communities of color because of the destruction that has happened. Yes. Like, if you're going to have a protest where some people are co-opting it and looting and violence, go to fucking Wall Street. Don't go to Harlem. <laughs> like, Facts. Right. But um, so should, I guess we'll run briefly through what's been going on and why. So last night was the eighth night of protests in cities across the country. Protesters are primarily demanding justice for George Floyd, who was murdered by police officers last Monday on Memorial Day. This sadly was broadcast across the nation. A lot of us have seen the really disturbing images, and this sort of prompted this large-scale protest for racial justice, but it is in the background of a pandemic that has disproportionately killed Black and Brown people, that has disproportionately left Black and Brown people out of work. Um, in a country that is already disproportionately sickened by chronic diseases because of systemic racism in a country where already in the past several months, we heard about two really high profile killings. One of Ahmed Arbery, Arbery, a Georgia man who was killed by two white people when he was jogging and Breonna Taylor who was shot eight uh -huh. times in her home by police. Um, these things are obviously really painful to hear about, I'm sure for both of you. And they're things that it must be hard to balance because it's like important to that this information is out here and it seems like how public George Floyd's final moments were seems to have really activated something in people. It's really sucks that it took that and these images are being sort of broadcast. And that's where we're at today. We're at a place where a lot of people are posting some black squares and trying to read books for the first time, I guess. Um, mm -hmm. How are you guys feeling? Um, I, I, I honestly have been, asking myself that every single day and every single day I, I can't I, I can't put it into words in the it's in the sense that it's so many different emotions at one time I'm just first of all exhausted in every way that you can be exhausted and also let me state because I've never been here before I've never been on a podcast I'm also biracial black woman half black half Puerto Rican okay um but I am exhausted in the sense that having to see that some people who I've grown up with, who I've been friends with for years and years and years, be absolutely just, you know, in the background. They don't want to say anything. They don't want to, you know, stir up any kind of 
trouble or conflict on their own page or whatever. I'm like, well, how can you, how, how can you do that at the same time that you are claiming to like care about me? Oh, you value my friendship, all this stuff. So just exhausting in that way. And sometimes I find myself talking about it and not even realizing I'm like crying to talk about stuff because it's just like numbing at this point, which is very disappointing. I I know what you mean because uh, one of the things that I've noticed personally, I don't know if you guys have seen this video yet, but um, I mentioned this on the Bachelor podcast, but on E! News, uh, Nina Parker, I believe is, yeah, Nina Parker did an interview with like Morgan Stewart. And one of the things that she said, which really rang out to me and goes off of what you just said, Dana, was that... um, our friends are sort of our, our friends, not all of them, but there are people that are being silent about this whole thing. And I almost being silent could possibly worse be worse. Like I'd rather you just like say your all lives matter and be done with it so I can like move on instead of having you not say anything. And one of the things that Nina said in this interview was that she goes, the people that hate me are loud as fuck. You know, so like you think about, then you think about, okay, so why aren't the people that quote unquote love me that quote unquote are my friends? Why aren't they being loud? Like equally as loud because anger will always be louder than, um, you know, the kind words. You could have a hundred nice comments, but you have like one negative one and you're like losing your mind. So why can't we transfer that anger with our friends and our allies and our supporters and, um, make that just as loud uh, for the love for us. And it's really, it's crazy seeing the people who haven't said anything that has been, has been the most hurtful. It definitely. And I feel like also I have every day try to post something that isn't necessarily like attacking anyone for how they're going about doing anything, but trying to be, you know, a good nugget of information about what you can do to help or you, you know, anything like that, anything that can be beneficial for, black and non-black people who follow me alike but at one point over the weekend I think I posted something about about exactly what we're saying about that that Martin Luther King quote everyone is sharing about the silence of your friends is what you're going to remember and I put that and added my own little you know blurb about how it affected me and what I felt about it and then like clockwork as soon as I did that a bunch of people come flooding and saying stuff and like I I, not that I don't appreciate the sentiment. I don't that I don't appreciate the intention now because it is coming from some of those people who I thought was like I thought that we had this great relationship and now you're not saying anything. You haven't even like reached out to me. But I'm not going to forget that it took me saying something for you to do it. We all know your hair and skin can sway your mood and impact your day in ways you can't underestimate. Sometimes what starts as a bad hair day quickly turns into a bad everything else day. I'd never found beauty products that really understood my needs, but ever since I switched to custom hair and skin routine with pros, I've noticed so many benefits. Healthier hair and skin, yes, but beyond that too. Since I started using pros, I've noticed consistently healthy hair. Even with all I put it through with the heat tools and the hairsprays to get this pompadour sky high, it smells great, it looks fancy on the shelf, and I like that it has my name right on it. This formula is made for V. Pros is made for people, not hair and skin types. Personalization is rooted in everything they do, from their in-depth consultation to their made-to-order model. From millions of possible formulas, only one is uniquely yours or mine. And Pros isn't just better for you, it's better for the planet. They're a certified B 
Corp cruelty-free and the first and only carbon-neutral custom beauty brand. They even have a review and refine tool, which learns from my feedback and adjusts my formula to keep up with the seasons and changes in my life. Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin that they're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription at pros.com slash fever dream. So get your free consultation, then 50% off at pros.com slash fever dream. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash fever dream. Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like, and Gift Mode instantly gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. Now it's simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. Whether you need a Mother's Day gift for the quilter or a birthday present for the vintage hunter, there is something for everyone on Etsy. Some of the things I like to buy on Etsy have little dachshunds on them or are four dachshunds. Dottie's got a whole litany of new sweaters and harnesses and all kinds of fun stuff that we get lots of compliments on when we're out on walks. A gifting moment is always just around the corner, whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you. Gift Mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. Do you guys think that that has anything to do with the fact that you are both biracial women? Do you think that people underestimate just because maybe they don't see how you experience the world sometimes? and make assumptions about how you do, do you think that that part gets like erased sometimes and maybe people just didn't? I mean, it's not acceptable that people didn't think oh, you wanted sure. to hear that reassurance until you put, put out into the world that you did, like they already knew you were black. But do you right. think that factors into how people are, are approaching you about it? Well, personally, um, I, I think people didn't, I mean, people knew that I, you know, knew that I was biracial. That's not really like a secret. I mean, if you didn't, then I mean, whatever. But I think they didn't know how to approach it because they didn't know how I was going to react to it. And one of the things that, and they also didn't know like what I was going through because I haven't really talked about that kind of stuff. Dane, I know that you and I have sort of bonded over this as well. Um, So I want to hear what you have to say after this. But like one thing that I felt growing up is like, so I had, you know, a black dad um, and a white mom and my sister. So I have a younger sister who looks completely Caucasian. I mean, you would never know that we have the same parents. She's like white skin, green eyes. You would never know that we have the same um, parents, but we would go out to eat. And um, the waiter would be like, do you guys need separate checks? Thinking I'm with my dad and my mom is with my sister, like something so small, but it would make you feel like, weird or like my mom picking me up from school and we don't look the same and like people like looking at or asking questions but like the biggest thing for me was not being able to feel like I fit in anywhere because I was never really black enough or like I still wasn't like the the white girls like I didn't have the pretty hair and all of like I was very different I mean even to this day I remember I posted this photo of myself yesterday with like um, it was a, I was like 12 and that was the first day I got my hair straightened ever. And I remember begging my mom, I mean, begging her because I wanted to have like the flowy long hair so I could put it up in a ponytail. Cause I was sick of like my kinky curly hair. 
And to me, that was beauty. And here I am at 31, still straightening my hair, convinced that, that, that this is what I should look like. And I mean, that's, it's just hair, but it, it has such a deep meaning, deep seated meaning to me that um, people don't think about and right. people forget. Right. And that's obviously in the context of that just doesn't come out of because Kay likes it better that way. It comes in a broader context, I'm sure, of like literally until recently, you can like ask black women in a place of work to straighten their hair. Like oh it's an God. issue. It's so messed up. Yeah. Even just the hair thing. My, I honestly, I don't even know how to describe my hair. It's, it's like very long and curly when it's wet and it's just shrinking. Dana and I have sent pictures back and forth of our quarantine hair so many times. (laughs) I'm like, we're losing it guys. Like (laughs) it's done. But after the longest time, the easiest way was just two like braided pigtails. Every morning my mom would sit me down, do my hair, I'm off. And it came to a point too when I was in like middle school and all my friends are, you know, doing all these cute things with their hair or whatever. Even other black girls in my class had their hair straightened or, or like multiple braids or anything. And I'm here with these two pigtails, 13 years old. I'm like, well, what the hell? I don't, I don't want this. <laughs> so right. I also like beg my mom to let me straighten it. She's like, okay, okay, sure. And I, at this point in my life, I'm only 23, but I've destroyed my curl pattern. I've tried to, I'm trying to wean back into it, but it's like, you sort of have to do a chop yeah. if you yeah. want to get yeah. those, like I will never be able to get my real curls back even like, so my hair's probably grown out a couple inches. You can't tell right now because I've like fully straightened it. But when I get out of the shower, it's like, and then it's straight. <laughs> um, it's like crazy. But um, to even to, but to get my curls back to what they were, my younger sister did this because she would relax her hair as well. Like she, her and I have the same type of hair, but um just like to get it back to that, you have to make a big cut and then go grow it out from there and out. And it's really hard to, to feel like that because you don't feel, I mean, I didn't feel pretty and that's just, that's the whole thing of it. I wanted to feel pretty. And to me, that wasn't it. Right. And even just to sort of circle it back to the original point, I, I grew up in like predominantly white situations as far as school activities i went to a summer camp at the jewish community center so like i was constantly constantly surrounded by white people and so it's a matter of like mob mentality in a sense of you want to fit in you don't want people to like call you out on any differences or even myself my mom tells me this when i was really young i was a lot lighter and my eyes are kind of you know typically what you would expect like an Asian Asian person Asian person's eyes to look like and so people are like oh let's see me with my mom again who's Puerto Rican and they'd be like oh was her dad like she's so beautiful what is he like from you know some part of Asia or something just like uh no she like he's not but it's a matter of people are like oh sort of if they didn't see me in the summertime when I was really dark and really tanned then it was like a Oh, what I don't even, I can't, we don't even have enough time to get into the, like, what are you conversation? Because that's, I would just absolutely lose the plot. But that, that in itself is just a whole nother problem. Mm -hmm. For sure. As you guys were speaking about your backgrounds, you mentioned that both of your fathers are black, right? Yeah. I feel like obviously 
what we're focused on at Betches too is really amplifying the stories about black women who are also killed by police. Um, but I think that there's a, it's very dangerous for black men when they have inter interactions with police. Um, is that, when did you in your life maybe realize that that was, that that was a thing that, you know, did you, that when your father, like a black man is your father and when they are encountered by a police officer, their life is at risk. Is that something that you were aware of? Is that something that felt present in your life? To be honest, for, for me personally, my, my dad is very like, I mean, suburban dad, different, like I have never personally been in that situation with my father, but my dad has five or six um, brothers who have been in those situations multiple times. One of them, um, I've definitely seen all of that happen. So I sort of, I haven't seen it with my father personally, no, but it's more of the, like I said, it's more of the, the microaggressions that um, have taken more of a toll on our life. Like the, do you guys need separate checks? Is he, you look like your dad. It's like, actually, I look identical to my mother. We, my dad and I just have the same color skin. And same with my sister. My sister looks, I mean, to a T, like my father. They're twins, except they have different color skin. But it's like small things like that where um, I've really suffered with it. And Amanda, side note, I remember you mentioned, yes, I think it was yesterday, the day before, we were talking about different products we could do for shop that, um, that we could give proceeds, the 100% proceeds to, like, what can we make? What can we do? And... Um, it would suggest that we do face masks, but you've made a really amazing point that do like giving face masks to like, if a black man were to wear a face mask, you can't see facial expressions. So automatically um, it puts them in danger, which I did not think about. I did not think um, about yeah, that. Somebody had to all. tell me that. Yeah. And I think that was, that's such a good point because you know, they, you wouldn't think that with anybody else. Like, with the white guy or with w probably even me, you wouldn't think that, but the second it's a black man, you're automatically, um, you don't, you, you feel weird about it or you feel like they could be aggressive. So I don't know, Dana, what about you? I also fortunately haven't been like directly present if any of that has happened, but, and I honestly can't really pinpoint the first time that, I sort of was made aware of it on that more broad spectrum of as far as like differing that from my own experiences with like racism in general, never mind with police and stuff. Like I, I can vividly remember that memory for myself, but I, I, I feel like it was just sort of mixed in with everything else, like talking about it, learning about it. You need to be aware of this, this, and this, this is different for us than it is for white people. But I know that he, like has dealt with it for sure and I know that he's told me he's like if <clears throat> excuse me if you know I, I I can't even tell you all the experiences if I tried because it's so many he like he was down at the million man march so that alone you can imagine how many potential interactions could have happened there mm -hmm. but then I know I remember one time recently it actually might have been last summer I came home to my childhood home and police were outside of my house and I came from the garage and my stomach dropped. I was like, what, what could, what could you possibly be here for? Like what, what is going on? It ended up like something had tripped my alarm, but it was terrifying. And it, 
And it was, it's upsetting that that is immediately what I went from like, oh my God, what's going to, like, what's going to happen? Is my dad home? Like, what's going on? Why are they here? Who, you know, what is going to come of this? And I wasn't like, oh, someone must have broken into her hut, which didn't happen. But like some, something must have happened with the alarm. Like that, that didn't even come to mind. Yeah. One so. thing that um, I'm curious of both of your guys' uh, opinions and thoughts on this. So um, we talked about earlier uh, this morning about white fatigue. Is that what that, um, and sort of, you know, when is this like, when are these protests are going to, when are these protests going to end? Like, when is it going to be appropriate for me to start posting again? Like influencer stuff, like how the, like when you can, um, start going back to quote unquote normal when all of this is, I mean, it's never going to be done. But you know what I mean? Like, I wonder what's going to be, like, how this is all going to pan out. Like, are people just making these efforts right now because it's right now? Or is it going to keep going? Like, I'm interested to see if people will sort of put their money where their mouth is and, like, you know, follow through. Yeah, my, and my whole thing with that, too, is it's, I'm worried that a lot of people are sort of just, you know, waiting on the sidelines, waiting to, like, for that moment when they can like you said, go back to normal, go back to business as usual. But at this, in the same take, it's like, how can you do that when even, even though, like you said, this is never really going to be done until something is actually done about it, like a, an actual change is made about it. But how can you say all that and do all that when even in the midst of some of these peaceful protests, I can tell you firsthand, one of my friends, um, no, it was a black girl who was at a protest in our, in our state and they arrested her mother, they arrested the, her black friend's mother for having an unregistered vehicle. And my friend was like, that's absolutely them abusing the power. And that's absolutely because she was black because my dad, who is white, my, this is my friend saying this, he has been pulled over three separate times for not having registered his car. That's just because he's lazy, but he's never been arrested for it. He's never been threatened to be arrested for it. He's never gotten his car towed. So how can you say that? How can you say that? you're waiting for business to go back to normal when again, and this is just talking about like cars and driving while black and all that. But my, my best friend as well got pulled over once in her life. But the one time that she did, she texted her mom. She said, I got pulled over. I'm recording it, but I love you so much. That is not something that a white person would do. That would not be your first instinct for you to text your, your parent that you might not ever see again, that you love them. Yeah, right. I think that I th- on the one hand, when worth things that are worth doing, when they acquire like a performative aspect, sometimes it's good when a lot of people feel like they will get some clout or good faith from people by sharing it. And yeah. sometimes it is just the sharing that is needed. Sometimes awareness raising can make a really big impact. But I, yeah, I get nervous about this because the actions that people need to take are, they're not like sexy, bright, shiny things. They're things like making sure you go vote for mayor. Like as much as, as great as it is to donate to these bail funds, and I think people should keep doing that, we're already paying people to keep us safe. That's our taxes. We're already paying for these people to not do their jobs. Like it's already out there. We can, it's free. It's well, it's not free to vote really. People are trying to keep people from voting all over the place. But yeah, it's like those things that are not sexy and fun to talk about. Um, I worry that people will get 
tired of, and these are things that actually black activists know and have been doing, and they know this is how the system works. A lot of good things that white people have in life from their government are because of the work of black people too. Um, right. <laughs> like <laughs> pretty much any good idea. Like, <laughs> I don't know. it is, it is nerve wracking just, yeah, because the thing is, it's like, so actually this news just broke that they arrested every officer involved with George Floyd's death and they yes. bumped up the charges for Jarek Chauvin, who is the man who is directly seen kneeling on his neck to second degree murder. Previously, it was third degree murder, murder, which suggested that he didn't know what he was doing could end George Floyd's life, which he very clearly knew George Floyd was telling him that he was dying. So, right. I mean, like, like we're saying that happened. That's because people have been in the streets like they can't ignore when you look at big social movements like this moment is as big in some ways in terms of people out there as 1968 when some things oh, yeah. did change and it, it, it matter like you're if you're white you're, your white body out there does matter everyone's making their own calculations because it's a pandemic but like if you haven't seen yet there are plenty of images of like when these protests escalate if you're white you got to run to the front because they're not going to mess with you I mean, mm-hmm. it's shocking to see during this protest, like I knew that they would probably beat up on white people. I didn't expect that they would do the exact brutality, racialized brutality they're being accused of on camera during protests against police brutality. Right. But if you're comfortable going to these protests, like your literal body makes it safer. And yeah, I don't know if I sent you this video, Amanda, but earlier I sent K something of oh my God. somewhere just in Philly and or this is two things quickly. Um, some some town near Philly, a group of white men were walking down the street like something out of the purge. They're walking out down, swinging baseball yeah. bats around, golf clubs, I anything mean, that can be used as a weapon. I was thinking and, about that when you were talking about the people that are saying nothing. Those are if you say nothing, well, there are white as well guys with like, baseball bats. So right, and my friend voice. is there now, and she's she's like, there are some people, some just lay people not even police out there with assault rifles like on rooftops and nothing's being done about this she said and and she even read in a local paper that a black man who got beat up with one of the baseball bats got arrested but not the not the people with them that's my um my this guilt that i hold over myself that i've held this entire time that i feel like i um I have not been to the protest, but it's genuine, genuinely because I am like paralyzed with fear of a um, the virus, which I mean, if you guys know, I've probably been out of my apartment five times total because I've been so scared of the virus. And um, and then on top of this, I just like I I can only expect the worst, which the media is not helping. But all I can think about is like, what if somebody shows up? with a gun and there's an active shooter and this and like I physically it makes me so nervous and I'm living with all of this guilt because I'm not out there so I am I'm trying to tell myself it's okay because I'm doing this you know virtual protesting and I'm sharing this information I'm putting the like so I'm, <laughs> I, have a, I have a tremendous amount of guilt with me right now um, over not being outside but I mean I don't even know what else to say yeah, I, feel I think that makes it all the more important for people that do feel a sense of safety um, that to, to get out there because it matters. And if you, 
especially if you're an ally and you're white and like, it's not nothing. I've, I've also weighed it too, because when I've gone, everybody is masked. But as we said at the start of this, this pandemic is disproportionately killing black people because of systemic failures in our healthcare system that, Mm -hmm. that discriminate against people of color that have been there for decades. Like, it's not like, it's not like black people just got like rolled the rolled got a bad roll of the dice with coronavirus. That's not what's happening. (laughs) Like That's not it. Yeah. But I think like what has been hurting to me when I also am a little bit unsure is like, there's plenty of people out there. I know their voices are being heard and change is happening. I mean, I think this is a big moment. And like we were saying, like, we'll continue to share the work that's not always the sexiest to do. But I think we just hope that by like putting it in front of people's eyes and making it easy. I mean, today, Kay, we posted this thing where literally you just swipe up and the email is already written for you. It's in your Gmail. You just send it. And so many people have shared that. Um, to the point where we tried, we were going to do the George Floyd one as well. And they weren't even accepting any more emails, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And because, it's the flooding right. that matters. It's like, yeah. you really have to definitely. flood it. That does matter. Definitely. Definitely. And my one last thing I wanted to bring up too, um, is about that whole thing that we were talking about earlier, Amanda, the George Floyd challenge was, which, which is just. It's it's ridiculous. If you haven't seen it, it's a a bunch of and I think it was all men, a bunch of white men who were kneeling on the necks of their friends or whatever to like trivialize what happened to George Floyd and it's ridiculous. And people are again, which is just showing the positive power that social media can have, people are like zooming in on their faces, finding their accounts and like contacting their place of employment all this stuff trying to make sure that they're held accountable but my whole thing is to people like some people who are you know just problematic or like well now they they've lost their jobs and all this and it's like they didn't care those people didn't care the the park karen uh yeah. amy cooper and park karen to um Svetlana, yeah. whatever <laughs> the sequel that complex called it the sequel yeah we're writing um, that up today they didn't care about what was going to happen to the black person that they were trying to, you know, induce their privilege to have something happen to them. So why should I care that they are facing the consequences of their own choice? We all dread the what should we have for dinner question. I mean, I know I do. I love a home-cooked meal, but I don't always have the time, energy, or groceries to make it happen. Being able to feast on a delicious meal without the long prep and cook times is what drew me to Home Chef over the other guys. Home Chef's meals are effortless, so I can spend less time trying to be Top Chef and more time watching it. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. Whether you prefer classic meal kits with pre-portioned ingredients and easy instructions, speedy recipes ready in less than 30 minutes, oven-ready kits with pre-chopped ingredients, or quick microwave meals that assemble in minutes, Home Chef has you covered for delicious meals without the hassle. Home Chef has over 30 options a week and serves a variety of dietary needs, so you never have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. For a limited time, Home Chef is offering our listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and a of course, free shipping on your first box. Just go to homechef.com slash fever dream. That's homechef.com slash fever dream for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard that right. Homechef.com slash fever dream must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. 
Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going, but there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S.com. Before we wrap up, I was wondering if you both could share, like, as a as a white ally, I always love hearing that microaggressions I may not know about. I've tried to educate myself as much as I can, but I think that it's important for people to hear, like, what's the most annoying microaggression you get that's maybe in your place of work or from friends and microaggressions, maybe we should define them. Yeah. Or sort of just um, go ahead, Kay. I can give you, give me one second and I can. She's like, I'm ready. Do you have a notes app? Do, are you looking <laughs> at your phone? Ah! I also got it. We ready. <laughs> no. Okay. So the term microaggression is used by, uh, was used by Columbia professor Daryl, Daryl Sue to refer to brief and commonplace daily verbal behavior behavioral or environmental um basically saying shit like yeah. where are you from oh you're pretty for a black girl like stuff that you don't think is hostile or racist or negative but actually is it doesn't seem like it is like it's not with that intention but stuff that people say like amanda you just asked so my most annoying one is uh when people when girls go out and they're tanning they're like oh my god i'm darker than you and i'm like <laughs> first of all it's I've a very different so many dark times. like yeah. you're, you're orange and i am brown <laughs> so let's just right that. but but it, that's one that's my favorite one it's donald like, trump I'm, has definitely said that to somebody oh yeah for sure like yeah. it's i mean that that one to me is the most irritating because I'm sure Dana, you get this as well. Because we are lighter skinned, you yes, it is possible that you have a different hue or a hue close to mine, but it's not something you should be comparing. Ever. Yes, nobody is gonna a cop isn't gonna mistake you for an African American, right? If he pulls you over, and so unless, no, you're not darker than me. And unless you want to be treated like my brown skin tone, do not <laughs> say you are. Don't try like, and claim it. Take yeah, all that it comes with it. <laughs> uh huh. Take everything or take nothing. So that's it's. You guys don't say that. Don't ever compare your skin tone to a black person, a mixed person, anybody of color. Not just, chill. Like, be tan and 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 that's it. Just be and tan. Like get up. tan and shut sh- shut up. <laughs> Um, yes, I have gotten that one. I've gotten the whole, in many different forms of, oh, beautiful, like, beautiful black girl. You're so beautiful for a black girl. I'm like, mm, well, I gotta go. First of all, <laughs> gotta, that is there's the exit. Wild. Um, that one, and then just comments about, <clears throat> which 
may not have been true for this podcast we'll see about how well spoken that i am because i used to do like performing arts and a bunch of different shows and i was a tour guide at school i did lots of public speaking i took like broadcast classes all of the all those things so um, so that in itself i'm like well what am i enlighten me in what i'm supposed to sound like right like you don't sound like a black girl oh Right. Yeah, yeah right. especially if you're over the phone. Over and, the phone. And you can just tell that they're surprised that you look like that, even if they don't Oof. say anything. I'm going to read just a few more because I have a few written down. I want to hear that... them all. If you have multiple, this oh. is important information. Mm-hmm. So here's here's some that we have written down. Where are you from? Or you're really, you're really pretty for a black girl, guy, whatever. Um. Oh, wow. You don't have an accent. Uh you talk like a white girl. I don't see color. Um, can I touch your hair? Oh, no. Is that your real hair? Things you... My understanding is that um, just don't mention hair. Just don't comment on it. Yeah, we don't have to talk it. about it. Don't... Co- they, if, if you got a haircut, you like your new haircut. I don't need to tell you. Yeah. <laughs> the, we don't need to talk about that. Or your name is so hard to pronounce. Can I call you so-and-so instead? Um, uh, everyone has the same opportunities if you work hard enough. Why are you so angry? Can't you talk about this more calmly? Uh, what or telling people of color that they are loud? Yeah, like all of these are are assuming if someone um is Asian that they're Chinese. Like you can't yeah. just leave it alone unless they tell you specifically we don't need to bring that up but all of these are like you look so exotic which which people so, use all the time and it doesn't seem like it's offensive but it is like i one time had someone which <laughs> i think was just a general them being dumb but at one point i was speaking to one of my friends about like puerto rico and stuff because she is or full family is from there. So we were just speaking about it and talking about like being Puerto Rican and all this stuff and how I don't speak Spanish as well as she does because my mom like doesn't speak it around the house and whatever. But then <laughs> later on, I come to find out that she was speaking to another one of our friends about it, about like our conversation and everything. And he's white. And he basically mm-hmm. came in like, Oh, I don't, I don't know why it came up. I don't care why it came up. It, whatever. But something about me being black as well came up and he's like no she's not like no she's not black and my friend said what do you huh and she's like she told me like she told me that she's puerto rican she was she you know that people can be be two different things multiple things right yeah like but yeah but she told me that she's puerto rican and then he said that he's like didn't like didn't you tell me that i said but when did i say that i wasn't black Right. It's almost also, like, yeah. It's, it's almost like if somebody were to say to me, it's like, oh, a man is Jewish. She told me she was white. Like, <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah. That's Question fine. mark. <laughs> also, the like, you didn't, you never said that you were black. Like, you, Why at some point, you tell like, me? When does that, is that an admission? Have you like, used right. your eyeballs? Because at that point, like, I'm dark enough. You, okay. You might be a little confused. Like, a lot of, some people have thought that I was maybe Indian or something like that, but you, yeah, you, some, all, sometimes people don't know and they just think I'm a really tan white girl. That is so true. <laughs> that has happened. Mult, I mean, countless times. But at the root of it, so why do you 
why do you care so much? Why right. does it matter? If you don't see you know. color, quote unquote, right, yeah. then what's good? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so those are microaggressions for um, now all of you guys know. I think those are really important and they, uh, you, you don't think about them and we know they're not meant to be offensive. Like, yeah, but they, I, am, I mean, yeah, they prick like, yeah, I'm like, I don't ah. go through my day getting pricked all day by those things that then probably feel really exhausting by the end of the day. Yeah, especially that. And just last thing about these, especially is at um, that you look pretty for you're so pretty for a black girl or whatever. Even uh, first of all, just that in itself is one of the the ones that's more prominently like, why the hell did you why did you need to add that little thing at the end? But then that's something that is in your head. If you're if you want to like say you see a white boy you think is attractive, that's in the back of your head. You're like, well. I just put myself in the eye. Oh, well, is he like going to have a problem that I'm like, is he going to point that out? Is he, is he racist? Mm -hmm. Am I, if I try and approach him and then that's something that's always in the back of your head, like, well, is he going to think like I'm, I'm pretty because I'm like a lighter skinned black girl. Oh, I think about that all the time. I automatically assume if, um, if a white guy is into me, it's like a kink. Like, or like, it's like they're, they're into that type of girl. Like, oh yeah, I'm into dark skin girls or I'm into, yeah, I automatically assume that. I never obviously say anything. Yeah. All these things that you guys are saying are like part of why these protests are happening. It's like the shit that you guys have to deal with all the time and the, the weight of it. Like we need to transfer some of that weight to white people. Like Mm -hmm. that's, I think that's. As you guys are saying this, I, the, the idea of anti-racism is becoming a little bit clearer to me because I'm conceiving of it as like, how can I more outwardly project that I do not have those thoughts so that you don't have to spend your time and energy like wondering? I think that's wondering, why it's so yeah. valuable to put out there what you're feeling and to say that you believe in equality and racial justice so that black the black people and the people of color in your life don't have to like wonder and have the weight of that constantly. Like we need to share this burden it's not it's obviously not fucking fair we all have to be in like at this point we all have to be in this together we i've i've gotten a lot of messages from people being like um you know i know you don't know me but i wanted to say like i'm sorry and thank you for sharing your story and i've been messaging these people back i'm like we are no longer strangers at this point (laughs) we have to be in this together i appreciate you reaching out like we have to do this together. Otherwise, nothing is going to happen. We can't be strangers any longer. We can't. We have to just do this together. And that's what it is. Yeah. You actually saying that earlier in the week as we were talking about how we might approach this podcast made me uh, reach out to people that I was uncertain whether they wanted to hear from me. But hearing you say that it was meaningful and important. Oh, I, yeah. Having Being able to hear you say that I was able to then like, no, man, this isn't about you. Like reach out and who cares if, if it's weird, if they think it's weird, who, who cares? No. What if they had thought it was nice? Then I would rather them have that. So I ended up reaching out to people I was uncertain about. And I'm really glad I did. No, it means, it means a lot. And just like, and I've been saying not that, not that anybody needs praise for doing like a basic human task of like right. reaching out and making sure people are okay. But I do want like, I do want my friends and I want you to know, and I want, you know, other people who have been making these efforts to know that like, I see it. I hear it. Like I appreciate it. And because I think that is also important. 
I think it's important to know that, um, to reiterate, like I said to you yesterday or today, I was like, I wanted to say it again, thank you for all, everything you've been that you're me doing. Every day. <laughs> because I think it's important because you also have been educating me on a lot of stuff that I'm not fully, you know, versed on the political aspect of it. So like you having that, that knowledge helps me personally and yeah. together we are able to do this and that's what it has to be. Right. And uh, <laughs> claps. Uh, I think it's important too to not just stop at that. Like obviously uh, I'm sure the same goes for you for or any, you know, I can't speak for everyone, but I know I appreciate when people are reaching out and like, okay, great. Awesome. What else? Don't just stop with yeah, we can't making stop sure that you're being there to support me or whatever, you know, black people you have in your life. Take it, be, expand on that. Do something. Yes, and. Yeah. Yes, yes and. Yes, and. Yeah. Like not, <laughs> not, I'm sorry you're carrying something heavy, but how, what can I take? What can right. I carry? Right. Oh, this was such a great episode, it you guys. Was. I loved this. <laughs> you guys did so good. This was great. Um, all right. Thank you guys again for joining us on uh, the At Betches podcast. Um, we have Amanda here who runs this up. Dana, when's happy hour? I'm on The Bachelor. Um, we're all going to be talking about this a lot. We got um, range. We got range. <laughs> we, we're hitting all angles right now. So make sure you're following all those accounts and um, stay informed and keep up with The Betches Up Instagram account because they will have all of the information on how you can help, how to educate yourself, and to stay woke as fuck during this time. <laughs> so we will see you guys next time and stay safe. The Betcha Sup podcast is produced by Amanda Duberman. Our podcast managers are Mike Coscarelli and Sean Kilby. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Artwork by Brittany Levine. The Sup is created by Sammy Fishbein. Be sure to follow us at Betches underscore Sup on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send your emails to Sup at Betches.com. 